Welcome to No Truth Culture, where you know truth or you have no truth. I'm your host, Mr. Misunderstood, and I'll be having the distinct privilege and honor of helping you rip the Band-Aid off when it comes to all things truth in culture today. As always, to stay up to date with all things No Truth Culture, you can go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or click on the link in the show notes or the episode description. To help support us here financially, you can go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or click on the link in the show notes or episode description. And once on the website, click on support. Well, without further ado, buckle up and get ready because it's time to rip the band-aid off so the truth can set you free. Welcome back to the program. We're going to dive right into different topics this week, starting off with Bible trivia for the week. We're going to enter into what the Bible trivia question is going to be for the week. And uh, the next thing we're going to go into is violence. Is it on the rise nationwide? And uh, what all that entails and more on that digital currency and what that means for religious freedoms in this nation and world. Is persecution of Christians rising worldwide? Going to dive into that head first. Woke ideology in post-secondary institutions, and what that details and and, uh, the details of that. And we'll finish up with the send-off. But like I said, first things first, we are going to go into the Bible trivia for the week. So the question of the week, the law, does it excuse you from sowing and reaping and the consequences for your actions and sins that you commit? We will find that out shortly. Stay tuned. You won't want to miss when that's coming. You'll never know when the answer will come in this program. So the first topic at hand here is going to be about the covenant and the law. So it's going to be quite an interesting deep dive here. Well, I don't know deep, but it's going to be a dive into it. Nonetheless, what covenant are we under? Are we under the if-then covenant or are we under the under a parody covenant? And we're going to get into right away what that means and dissect the two various, the two different covenants, their meaning, their value, their purpose, why it matters, and what one you can be under today. So let's get right into it. So the covenant, there was an old covenant between the Israelites and God. And there's actually multiple covenants, but we won't get into the various ones. We're just going to get into the two, the two big ones. And the the biggest one of the Old Testament was the if-then covenant. And basically, it's if you do this, then I'll do this. If you don't commit adultery, then I will bless your life and you will be fruitful and you will multiply. If you don't worship foreign gods, your land will be prosperous. If you do worship foreign gods, then your land will not be prosperous and you're at risk of being destroyed. These are the if-then covenants. So basically, it's a covenant of do this or get this in return. Do this and then I'll do this. Do this, I'll do this. That's the if-then covenant. And so many Christians today are under the new covenant, which is the parody covenant. And we are to be under that covenant, yet so many Christians are still living as though they're under the old if-then covenant based upon they don't think they're good enough to make heaven their home because of their past transgressions, sins, so on and so forth, and therefore feel disqualified from being used by God, feel disqualified from any kind of good be, uh, good benefits, um, good rewards, good things happening to them, or in in and through their lives, of being used by God, essentially. They feel disqualified from it, 
because of their past transgressions and sins and shortcomings and failures. And they lord it, they, they lord it over themselves and they think God's just waiting with a hammer or a gavel to beat them over the head and just smite them dead at the next sin they commit, so on and so forth. Now, that's not to excuse or give you free paths to sin willy-nilly or whenever you see fit, because that's not of God for you, for you and for your life. He doesn't want you to commit sin. So there's never a free pass to do it. However, he knows that we're going to fall short. He knows that in our pursuit of him, we're going to miss the mark. It's just inevitable. It's our sin nature. It's our human state. It's our um, sin nature within us to want to crave and desire sin. It's just the human element of who we are as people. We just desire and crave wickedness. It's our, it's in our heart. It's the Bible says our hearts deceitfully wicked. It's evil. There's evil within our hearts that just wants to rear its ugly head. And we're at war with the flesh and we're at war with sin nature. And it's never going to be a war that's over until the day we die. So if you think it gets easier with age or easier with some days, months, weeks, years under your belt serving God, you're sadly mistaken because it doesn't get easier with time. It gets easier because you have the Holy Spirit working in you. But even then, it gets better serving God. It gets, I just don't know that it gets easier, if you know what I mean. It just, Christianity is not easy. Serving God is never, never promised to be easy. It's promised to be worth it because we're going to make heaven our home at the end of it. So, you know, this, if you take a big, long rope, I heard this analogy years ago. You take a big, long rope, and then you just, you know, you have this long rope, and it just seems like you're raveling it and raveling it, and you take a little marker, and at the end of the rope, you mark off with a little marker to let you know that this is the end of the rope. Well, that little mark that you put at the end of the rope, that's pretty much our time here on Earth. It's not much to it. It seems like it's a long time, but it's really not. Eternity is where all of our time is going to be spent. So what we do on Earth matters for the kingdom of God. So we want to be doing things for the kingdom of God so that we could thrive and be successful and leave a leave a mark on this world for him because nothing else matters. It's all chasing the wind. It's all irrelevant and meaningless because you can't take any of it with you when you enter into eternity with God. So back to the covenant that we are under. So we're not under the if-then covenant that the Israelites were under in the Old Testament. That was done away with. And the reason why it was done away with is because we could never meet the expectations of it. We could never fulfill it. We kept breaking it. And so God knew in knowing our human nature and our human state, our sin nature and our flesh and how weak these are, he knew that. And so he planned long before we could ever dream of, imagine, fathom to send his son to the earth to create a new covenant between two equals, parity, equals a parity covenant between God the Father and God the Son. So basically, you have two accounts. You have your account. Think of bank accounts. You have your bank account and you have Jesus's bank account. So when you give your life to Jesus, you what God does is he takes Jesus he takes your sin out of your bank account, out of your account, and he puts it in Jesus's account. And then he takes Jesus's righteousness out of Jesus's account and puts it in your account. That, my dear friends, is the beauty of Christianity in a nutshell. It's, it, it's the most simplistic way I can put it, is that it's, you, know, you have the two accounts, and then you have God taking your sin, putting it in Jesus' account, God taking Jesus' righteousness, and moving it from his account into your account. It's a beautiful picture of grace and mercy, because it's, we don't deserve it. And what we do deserve, he doesn't give us, because we deserve far worse than we could ever dream of, think of, imagine, or fathom. But he blesses us with the ability to have a complete and utter relationship with him. And it is remarkable. It's an incredible thing. So basically, the parody covenant has replaced the old covenant and has taken place of that Old Testament covenant. And it's based upon two things. It's based upon grace and it's based upon the Holy Spirit working in us to sustain us and help us navigate and win the war over our flesh and over our sin nature. 
which again, like I said earlier, will never be over until we pass from this life into eternity. And always know that our hope is not of this world. It is in Jesus Christ. It is in the Holy Spirit, the Comforter working in us, which was guaranteed to us by Jesus in the New Testament as a helper for us to be able to navigate this life. Because friend, you cannot and will not ever be able to do it on your own. You need to have the Holy Spirit working in and through your life to help you make it through. Because I'm living proof. I can't do it on my own. And I can humbly admit that. And there's no way anyone else can do it on their own. You can't do it on your own. And you have to come to a place where you can humbly admit that. Because once you do, oh, the floodgates of heaven will open up and there'll be rejoicing in your life and peace and joy like you've never seen or known before. If you just but humble yourself and admit, you know what? I thought I had this. I thought I could do it. The reality is I can't. And so I'm going to just say, you know what? I'm letting go and letting you take control of this thing because when I'm in control, it's never anything good. But when you're in control, it's phenomenal. It's incredible. It's great and absolutely remarkable. And so that's the reality of where we are in this life. So basically, we're not under the law anymore. We are under grace. And this is our justification which basically means our position before God. And sanctification is our condition. It's how we actually are. And one of the things that has to take place in us is that our condition becomes like our position. That means that we're growing more, we're growing more like Christ. We're growing more, we're growing in holiness, we're growing in sinlessness, and we're overcoming uncleanness in our lives, in our everyday lives, trying to become better and stronger and wiser, more humble. But we're doing this via the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives. So the Spirit working in us releases us from the law. And it begins to become the governing factor in our lives. It's helping us. It's not legislation imposed on us. It's the Spirit of God from within us leading us into a life that's sanctifying us. And that's what Romans 7 verse 6 talks about. It's the spirit-filled life is the key to the fruitfulness that God has called us to, each and every one of us. That's you, that's me, that's everybody. And that's to being what we need to be in Christ. So understand the law isn't bad. It's actually very good because the problem isn't the law itself and isn't the enforcement of the law. It's the lawlessness in our spirit. The law is good because it gives us the knowledge to know when we're doing right things or wrong things. And without it, we wouldn't know and we'd be blind to all of these things and we would be much, much worse off. So again, the law is good. The problem is you, the problem is me, and it's sin. And the purpose of the law, this, if you've listened to nothing else thus far, hear this, stop whatever you're doing, put your phone down, notifications down, and please, attentive ears, The purpose of the law is to reveal God and his righteousness and to reveal you and I and our sinfulness because there is a standard that we are measured against. It becomes glaringly apparent that there is a deficiency. There is a sin that's in our lives and in our hearts and sin becomes exceedingly sinful. So the law is perfect and holy and good and we're okay until we stand up against it And then it becomes very apparent that there's sin in our hearts and in our lives. And people don't like the law because it exposes them for who they really are and what they are. Until the law is seen and known, we think, well, I'm okay. We're okay. You know, I'm good. But once it's seen, you realize and can see sin in your heart and can see sin for what it really is. We have an inner law, our conscience, conscience with knowledge, working in us. And it's telling us what is right and what is wrong. It brings accountability. And now we begin to be responsible to do what is right. And it convicts us of our sins. And it shows you and I how we fall short. So basically, the law puts a measure of restraint on society. And thank God it does. Because without that restraint, could you imagine what this world would be like without the law? Imagine what the world would be like. The law is basically, it's simply a guard to protect you and I. The law is our instructor and it's a tutor 
to bring us to Christ. But after faith comes, we are no longer under the instructor or tutor. Sin was awakened once it saw the law because the heart says, I want to do it and I don't care that it's wrong. I'll do it even though I know better. I'm going to do it anyways. The motto of the world is if it feels good, do it, which is basically hedonism. We want to do things our way on our terms. And that's the human element of life. And it's not very good. And the problem with lawlessness is that it always is never satisfied. It always accelerates and it always has a need and leads to more and more and more. Sin, like I just said, it's never, ever satisfied, ever. Understand that. Never, ever is sin satisfied. And understand that lawlessness always leads to more lawlessness. And that's what 1 John 4, 3 talks about. The spirit of lawlessness is already in the world. It's here. Understand that. It's already here. And it's all around us. And it's increasing at a completely and utterly rapid rate that is astronomical if you really look at it and think about it. And let me tell you, sin ravages and oppresses people each and every day. I'll repeat, sin ravages and oppresses people every single day. And the only hope for that is the gospel. Our only hope is the gospel because our inner flesh nature doesn't want to be governed. And so this is our struggle. It's lawless and it's alive. Picture this, the, the flesh is like quicksand and it's not that easy to break through it. The more we struggle, the more it wants to pull us back when it's under its control. We are carnal and under our sin nature. And when we try to come to grips with the law and sin and our sin nature, it's a struggle. It's bigger than we are. Understand that Paul realizes that it's bigger than he, than he was. And he, he's identifying and he identifies that it is sin, that it's sin. He says that it's no longer him that's doing it, but sin that is in him. So please understand this. Star it, highlight it, write it down. Don't identify as your sin. Identify it as sin. I'll say it again. Don't identify as your sin. Identify it as sin. It's extremely important that you make that distinction and recognize what is sin and what appears in your life that's sin and understand that Jesus died for sin and that it's not your destiny or your identity anymore. This is a struggle that'll be with us until we pass from this life because the flesh is going to be there, but that doesn't mean that it controls us. And you and I must be aware that the flesh is always going to be there. So we have to be aware of it and that we must live in the spirit to be able to overcome it each and every day. God takes his law and he's going to, and he writes it in our hearts and puts it inside of us through the spirit of God working in us and the desire to do good and to please him. Again, there is a war inside of us between the spirit of God and the desire to please God and the flesh and the desire to sin. And it won't end, like I said earlier, until we pass from this life. So keep fighting, stay living in the spirit, because God will help you win. It is powerful when you understand this and understand knowing that we're wretched and sinful is the end of self-righteous pride and thinking that we're better than anyone else because simply we're not and you aren't and I'm not. And knowing that we're wretched is the end of self-dependence because our will is not strong enough. It brings us to the place where the only hope is that God has to get involved and help us. Jesus is the deliverer and he's going to deliver me from this body of death. And he's going to deliver you from your body of death when you give your life to him. There is an answer. There is hope. There is a helper. And it's Jesus. And he died to pay for our sins. He'll take us to where we need to go. And it'll be absolutely and abundantly glorious, glorious, and more and more glorious. So there's seven things that is causing our entire civilization today especially in America, to rapidly disappear. And there was a guy who did a study, Mr. Zimmerman, he's from Harvard, and he did a study over, I think, 50 years or whatever the case may be. 
however long. And he studied this and he tried to figure out why civilizations just rapidly decline or disappear at such a rapid rate. And their people, their language, their culture, everything just dies with it. And take, for example, the Mayans. There's ruins there. There's like very few Mayans still alive today. Their culture, their language, everything's pretty much gone. And he came to the conclusion that there's seven things that cause entire civilizations civilizations to disappear. And I'm going to give them to you right here, right now. So write them down because they're powerful. And this ties into the law of God and the covenant that we are now under. If we take these seven things and hold them up to God's standard and try to do right by him in all seven of these things and fix them, we can take this nation back for God because it was founded upon God. So number one, marriage loses its sacredness. Understand that marriage is a sustaining factor in a nation, culture, world, family, home, so on and so forth. And he said, number two, traditional, the traditional meaning of marriage is lost and culture begins accepting alternative forms like shacking up, cohabitation, single parenting, and more. That's mind blowing. And that's, look at, look at this nation. That's exactly where we are today. All of these things, you're seeing it. You know of somebody that's doing one or more of these things. Number three, women begin to lose their inclination for childbearing. Oh, are we seeing this so prevalent in today's culture? It's work, 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 work until you die. And then you see them at 60, 70 years old, looking back on their life saying, I didn't do anything of value. I'm leaving no mark for the next generation. I don't have any kids. I was just a CEO of a company and my life and everything I did, it's all meaningless. And you ought not to want to be in that place at 60 or 70 years old. So rectify it while you still have the chance, if you still have the chance. And if you don't, well, trust God for great things in your life because he could still work in and through your life, no matter your age, and he can help you. Number four, the public disrespect for parents. And you see it, kids spitting on their parents, kids hitting their parents, kids cussing out their parents, kids bashing their parents all over, all the time. It's in videos, memes, you see it shopping centers. It's very prevalent in our culture today, sadly. Number five, an increase in juvenile delinquency and rebellion. So you see crime from moving from 40, 50, 60 year olds down to 18, 17, 16, 15 year olds and younger. And boy, are we seeing that today. Juvenile detention centers are filling up at rapid rates and it's disgusting. Six, pseudo intellectuals become hostile towards the family and bring it into the educational system. Basically what a pseudo, pseudo intellectual person is, is they're someone who pretends to be smart, but they are really stupid. That about sums it up. Number seven, the acceptance of adultery and perversion to the point it's celebrated and promoted. Oh, we see it all over our TV screens, all throughout culture, billboards. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. The way that the people, the, the clothes bought in stores, the clothes made to be bought in stores, so on and so forth. So basically to sum up this list, in every decaying civilization, something went wrong in the minds of the people about these four things. Marriage, the home, the family, and the children. And these are the four things that God made to be the building block of society. And people today don't know how to attract, find, and choose a mate. So that's why all seven of these things are so prevalent in society today. People just don't know how to choose a mate. And we're coming up on Valentine's Day. And you're seeing all the, the, the hearts and the pink bears and the bows and the this and the that all about Valentine's Day and Cupid shooting his arrow and all this stuff. And people get infatuated. And, and there's nothing wrong with a little infatuation to start off a relationship, but it can't be the defining factor as to why you, why you choose a mate or the mate you choose to live with or be with in a relationship because it's not healthy, it's not good, and it's not what you should want in a mate. Not today. And basically, not ever. I said, not ever. Do you ever wonder what it'd be like to be able to listen to each and every episode seamlessly and without the interruptions of ads and sponsorships? 
Well, we've got some great news for you today. We've listened and are now doing something about it for you. Say hello to ad-free and sponsorship-free listening and many, many more exclusive benefits when you become a Crusader Plus today. To find out more about how you can become a Crusader Plus today, go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or episode description. Once on the website, click on the link No Truth Culture Plus under the No Truth Culture category. Follow No Truth and myself, Mr. Misunderstood, on all major social media platforms by going to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or the episode description. And once you're on the website, click on social media. Become a Crusader Insider for free today by going to our website links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or the episode description. And once you're on the website, just scroll to the bottom of the page and fill out your full name and email address in the proper fields and hit submit. And you'll officially be a Crusader Insider, which is going to gain you access to insider information, all the latest and greatest new things happening within our podcast franchise, companies, all the updates, promotions, offers, and future merchandise that's going to be coming soon and much, much more. You won't want to miss it. So make sure that you become a Crusader Insider today. One one of the tactics the devil uses is to get you hooked up with someone who makes you feel good now, but that will destroy your future and your destiny. So there's two lessons that we need to learn. Number one, Avoid the snare or trap of incompatibility. Avoid the snare or trap of incompatibility so that the devil can't ruin your future or your destiny. Because it's always been a tactic for Satan to destroy people with incompatibility and with being unequally yoked. It talks about it in Malachi 2 verse 11. And what makes marriages work is when both people believe the same things. So don't compromise when it comes to finding your significant other. Do it God's way. Because if the devil can't destroy you outwardly, he'll work to destroy you inwardly from inside your home, your marriage, your family, your children, and so on. So you have to protect these things. And it starts by getting and being equally yoked. If marriage, if God's design for you is to be married, and it ain't, it's not everybody's calling. Jesus wasn't married. You want to keep your home together, then, or your spouse together, or your family together, etc. Keep yourself and your spouse and your children in church and serving God. It's really that simple. Because God is the glue, and he holds society together. And without him, look at the world today. Look at our country. Look at our culture. It's all falling apart at the seams and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And the infamous scripture from 2 Corinthians 6, 14 talks about don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Being, let me, let me make this clear. Being infatuated with someone doesn't mean you're compatible with them. I'll say it again. Being infatuated with someone doesn't mean you're compatible with them. It just doesn't mean that. The second thing is to avoid the snare or trap of camouflage. Well, you might be asking me, well, what is camouflage? What does that mean? Camouflage means to obscure something with the intent to deceive someone. You create an appearance to hide the reality. So don't hide the real reason you want to be with somebody or are with them. Be honest about it and don't be with someone for the wrong reasons, for fame, prestige, fortune, etc. These things are meaningless if you don't have God or if you don't do them or have them or possess them with an intent to benefit the kingdom of God. Look for a mate that loves God, and you may have to wait for them to grow, learn, develop, mature in Christ. But waiting is your friend. (laughs) So make sure you're in touch with God so you are a part of the solution of this country, the culture, so that we don't become extinct as a nation and and you're, you're not a part of the problem. And understand, you may have messed up, but God will fix it up when you get saved and surrender your life to him. And that's the beauty of the gospel in a nutshell. So we have to understand that there's hope and the hope is in Jesus and getting your life right and getting saved and getting baptized in the Holy Spirit 
and allowing him to convict you and work in and through your life and you being a disciple and learning and having grace and mercy just flow through your everlasting life because of what Christ did upon that cross. And it's remarkable. And so understand that the law in the word of God is a mirror to show you who we are. And that's what the Ten Commandments do. They show us who we are. They show, they show us in comparison to a holy God. If you're comparing yourself to other people, you're doing it all the wrong way. That's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. You need to compare yourself to God. And none of us measure up. Not one. The Bible says that none are good. No, not one. And so knowing that, understanding that, getting that out of the way, letting that cat out of the bag and just owning it, saying, none are good. No, not one. Our hearts are all deceitfully wicked. We all fall short of God's glory. We all need help. We need Jesus. We need his Holy Spirit working in and through our lives, helping us so that we can be obedient and that we can have grace and we can have the abundance of the Holy Spirit working in and through us so that we can make heaven our home. Because works isn't going to get us to heaven. But understand that faith without works is dead. So it's a combination of having both at play and understanding that one without the other isn't going to get us into heaven. We need to have faith in Jesus. We need to be doing as much as we can to further the kingdom of God while we have a chance here on earth and understanding that the law isn't bad. It's actually very beautiful because it reveals to us who we are, our sin nature. It, it you know, sin doesn't like light. It likes darkness. It likes to live in, in the dark of us not thinking anything of it, of us thinking that we're all, we're all good. You know, I'm good. I don't need that. And then when it's exposed, it hates being exposed doesn't want to be exposed, but it needs to be exposed because it needs to be made right in the sight of God. And that, that's the beauty. So to the Bible trivia question for the week, the law doesn't excuse you from or do away with sowing and reaping and the consequences for your actions and the sins that you commit. There still is a product of sowing and reaping. You reap what you sow and there are consequences for your sins and for your actions. If you commit adultery, there's consequences typically. Whether it's the person gets knocked up, of, you know, maybe a sexually transmitted disease, whatever the case may be, there is consequences for that guilt, shame, whatever. Now, can you be made right? Of course. Get it right. Repent. Trust in Jesus. David did it after he fornicated and, and committed adultery with Bathsheba. He made it right. He got it right. And that's why he was able to still be king and fulfill God's calling and destiny. That's why he was called a man after God's own heart, because he repented and he did it quickly. He was called out on it and he owned it. He humbled himself. And that's what God wants you and I to do each and every day. The, or, uh, whenever we fall short, that's what he wants you and I to do. And so that is the answer to the Bible trivia question for the week. Now, to the next topic on violence and whether or not it's on the, on the rise nationwide, as you know, we're seeing God being removed more and more. And yes, it is on the rise nationwide. I was uh, reading a story of a nine or hearing a story on a uh, show that I watch about a nine-year-old girl and the video of her getting beaten up on a Miami-Dade uh, County in Florida school bus. And I mean, they're just wailing on this girl and it's a guy, it's a boy, he's wailing on her. Boom, 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 throwing blows. And he's just going ham on her. And it's like, you watch the video and your jaw just hits the floor and goes, this is utterly and completely just disgusting and evil and wrong and wicked and unholy and just impure, immoral, you, whatever you want to call it, it's what it is. It's just a disgrace. It's disgusting. And so we don't want that. And the way that we get away from that is we understand that there is laws, number one. Number two, that we get in right standing with God. We bring God back into the nation. And, and speaking of that, there was parents, and I'm going to read you the article on this. There was um, parents of six slain children speak out. Absence of God, peer pressure, lack of strictness, so on and so forth. So let's just get into the article here. It says, Lawrence Jones spoke with a group of parents who lost their children to homicide on the Lawrence Jones Cross Country Show. These parents shared how they found purpose amid their enormous loss and weighed in on the epidemic of violence among America's children. Anti-violence activist Yvonne Pointer recounted the loss of her daughter, Gloria Pointer who was walking the school set to receive an award for perfect attendance, but would never make it. In California, 16-year-old Loesch Lacey would be gunned down across the street from her high school after her car was mistaken for that of a gang member. She was coming from a job at McDonald's, her part-time job, and they were, her and, her and a friend of hers, were picked up by a young man in the neighborhood. 
What they didn't know, this young man had a dispute before he picked them up, said Donald Lacey. He continued, they were followed. Four assailants went to the front of the vehicle, shooting at him. He ducked. She was sitting behind him, and unfortunately, she caught seven bullets and was killed. Sylvia Bennett Stone, mother of Crystal Joy Bennett, described how her daughter and her two friends were parked at a gas station when they found themselves in the middle of a gang shootout. She said there's a lack of a solution that's allowed more young lives to be taken. She was killed by the MS-13 the day before her 16th birthday. Nisa was beaten by them. Her body was left in the street, but she was a wonderful person, Nisa's father, Robert Mickens, said. Yanely Henriquez recounted the dreams of her daughter, 16-year-old Angeli Yambo, to help others. Yambo was shot near her school in the Bronx in 2022 after being caught in a crossfire. She wanted to be a doctor. She wanted to save lives, Henriquez said. When asked by host Lawrence Jones what's contributing to the rise in violence among children, Henrique said, and I want you to listen to this closely. There's, this is her, this is her answer to his question. And here it is. All bold, write it down. There's no structure. A lot of kids these days go on peer pressure and they are kind of obligated to join gangs because there's nothing else to do after school. Bennett Stone alluded that the root cause starts in one's household. Yes, it does. Like I just said earlier in the program, that's what the devil attacks. He's going to go after the home, of course, because he doesn't want the nuclear family. He doesn't want that structure. He wants it gone because he knows it's the backbone of what God's trying to do on the earth and in society. Once he destroys that, he's winning. And then she go, they go on to say in the article, we have to teach our children at home to make better decisions, she said. Yes, I agree. Mickens added, I miss my daughter. She was my best friend, you know. She was little me. I'd do anything just to have her right here, just to have a laugh, hug me, play ball, watching done movies, falling asleep. You know, those special father and daughter moments. I will never have them back. Pointer said the absence of God is to blame. Oh, of course. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely no doubt about the absence of God being to blame for all of this violence and carnage that we're seeing all across this nation today. And he's, it's because the devil's attacking marriages, families, the home, and the children. Those four pillars of what God's making, what the God's backbone of society. He's destroying those pillars. And once he destroys those pillars, he's got the upper hand. So he thinks, ultimately, God's going to win. Pointer said the absence of God is to blame. When we were little, it wasn't an option whether you were going to go to Sunday school or not, she said. Exactly. They were drugged to church. And I was watching a preacher the other day and he says, you know, I had a drug problem at six, seven years old. My parents drug me to church. That was my drug problem. <laughs> and parents need to be dragging their kids to church. Hallelujah. Preach it. The article continues on. As the juvenile trend of violence among children and teenagers continues to rise, Jones asked, why does it seem like the problem is only getting worse? I concur with everything that's been said. God first, family. I came... A God first family. I came from a great family. I had my father in the home. I had my uncles. In fact, my mother used to hand out butt whooping coupons in the neighborhood, Lacey said. So our community in Oakland in those days, we were accountable to and for each other. Mickens added, we've got to take things back to the basics. We've got to, at some, as some people say, crack the whip. We've got to get strict. There's no reason for all of our children to be murdered in almost a similar way. There's no reason for that. Bennett Stone made a plea to, to lawmakers to put people over politics right now to stop the violence among children and teenagers. Figuratively and somewhat literally, we've got to crack the whip. We've got to get our nation back. And it starts in the home. It starts with the next generation, raising our kids right. You know, the, the one lady said, my, my child's my best friend. Well, I don't agree with that. I don't think, you know, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, your parents aren't your best friend, but you, you, you're very thankful for the way they were with you when you grew up because it helped you to become the person you are today. And a parent's job isn't to be your friend. It's to be your parent, to be your leader, to be the person that guides you through the parts of life that you don't understand for yourself because you're too young and too stupid. And so they're there to help navigate you through those tough waters and to help you get on, get on and stay on a right track for God, for the kingdom. Because typically you ain't going to do it yourself. Because like I said, you're young and stupid and foolish, unwise, wanting your own way, stubborn. The list goes on and on. So the remedy for the violence, as these people said in this article, is to bring God back. Is to bring structure. Is to bring some accountability, some discipline. 
These are all incredible things that need to come back to the forefront of our hearts and minds as a nation. Amen to that. Moving right along into the next topic is we're going to get into digital currency, which I mean kind of relates to the theme of what we're talking about here on today's pro uh, on, on the program. And that is what this means for religious freedom in this nation. What does digital currency and the move to it, full digital currency with no cash, a cashless society, what would it mean for religious freedom in this nation and across the world? Well, it would mean that they have you by the short hairs because if they, if you don't agree with what the government says or what the, the Fed says or whoever controls the money, they'll just shut your money off. You don't, have, you don't have cash. You don't have access to cash. That means they control you. They control your mind. They control your speech. They control the way you think, what you, what you believe. They control every aspect of your life because if you don't agree with them, they'll shut your money off. You'll starve. You'll have no food, no shelter, no nothing. You will just die. They'll literally slowly kill you. That's basically, they'll murder you in essence. And you may say, oh, well, that's a little harsh. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, you need to start thinking it's going to happen because if we move to a cashless society, it's inevitable. So wake up and understand that ATMs throughout the country and throughout the world and banks, physical, actual branches, locations, you know, brick and mortar are disappearing at an extremely alarming and rapid rate in this nation and in this world. Go look it up. The stats are all there to back it up and to show you that it's happening and it's happening at an alarming rate and people are blind to it because they, number one, don't want to see it, don't want to think it's real. So they just shut their mind off and act like it's not happening when it is. Or the other thing is they just don't care. And that's sad because you're going to care when it hits you. You don't care right now, but then when it affects you, all of a sudden you start caring. Well, let's care now before it affects you. And let's say we're not going to do cashless society. We're going to have cash because we're going to have control. And we're going to have freedom of speech. We're going to have freedom of religion. And so we have to fight for these things. Fight for these laws that protect us. And like I said, laws are good. Freedom of speech, great law, great amendment, beautiful. Let's keep it. We got to fight for it because it's not going to stay here on its own. We have to keep it here by the way we fight. So is the persecution of Christians on the rise? That leads me as a great segue into the next topic, talking about religious freedom. Is the persecution of Christians rising across the world? Well, the answer to that is a resounding yes. Christian persecution skyrockets worldwide as 360 million people oppressed. We must stand for religious freedom. And as this article so eloquently states, it says, Open Doors 2023 World Watch List brings much needed attention to courageous Christians around the world who suffer because of their faith. Released on January 17th, the annual World Watch List is a ranking of 50 countries where severe persecution and discrimination against Christians prevail. Today, more than 80%, I'll repeat, 80% of the world's population lives in countries where religious freedom is highly or severely restricted. That is so sad. Continues on. For millions of people, repression, violence, and discrimination are a part of daily life. Governments and hostile regimes prevent individuals from living in accordance with their faith. As the latest World Watch list confirms, Christians are no exception. According to the report, more than 360 million Christians face severe persecution and discrimination for their faith. The number of Christians who have been killed for their faith has also risen by 80% in the last five years. The majority of these killings, 90%, I'll repeat, 90% have occurred in Nigeria as militant Islamist groups use violence to advance political and ideological objectives. Persecution against Christians is most severe in the North, though enforced Islamization is gradually spreading toward the South. Open Doors reports that groups such as Boko Haram, ISWAP, and Fulani militant, militants kidnap, inflict violence upon, or kill their victims, and appear to be increasingly conspiring together against Christians, as well as Muslims who oppose them. In northern Nigeria, Christians are also viewed as second-class citizens. Converts from Islam may be rejected by their families or endure physical violence. But as the report notes, Christians pers Christian persecution extends beyond Nigeria's borders. One in five of the world's persecuted Christians live in Africa. And according to the report, violence against Christians in sub-Saharan Africa has reached new heights. While in Asia, the Chinese Communist Party's model for controlling Christian communities is expanding to other countries. 
According to a report, countries as diverse as Sri Lanka, Myanmar, and Malaysia have headed down the same authoritarian path, joining Central Asian states like, I can't even pronounce these countries, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, all the stands, and Russia. So today, more than 80% of the world's population lives in countries where religious freedom is highly and severely or severely restricted. That's insane. And I know I'm repeating that. In communist China, those under 18 are prohibited from attending church. Crosses have been replaced with portraits of China's communist leaders. And the CCP is working to rewrite the Bible to align with its ideology. Watch out for that happening in America. Rewriting the Bible. Make a note of that. I strongly believe that that's coming in our country, especially if we move to a fully digital Bible. People can edit it at will and change whatever they want. We wouldn't even know any better. So always, always want a physical copy of the Bible. I repeat, always want to be able to have a physical copy of the Bible. It is crucial. Understand that. They can't rewrite physical copies. It's next to impossible. Once you have it, it can't be rewritten. They can rewrite digital ones. Understand that. It's the same thing with digital currency. Understand the power of moving fully digital when it comes to literature because they can rewrite it, edit it, change it whenever they want, and it's very easy to do so. Just a mental note. Continuing on. Utilizing oppressive restrictions, surveillance, and propaganda, the Chinese Communist Party is forcing Christians to put the ideology of the party before the teachings of Christ. In Nicaragua, as in communist China, religious freedom threatens the power and authority of President Daniel Ortega and Vice President Rosario Murillo as Open Doors reports. Okay, you get the point here. This article can go on and on. The, the principle of the matter is, is that persecution is heavily, heavily, heavily on the rise. And so what are we doing to stop it? What are we doing to be awakened to it, to understand that it does exist and that we need to put it to bed and we need to do something to rise up? to not allow it to happen, to not allow it to continue, not allow it to have free reign over and through our lives and what we're doing as a nation and as a country. We need to be better. We need to be stronger. We need to be wiser. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves. We need to outsmart these countries, these regimes, so that we're always one or two steps ahead of them. Because if we're not, we're behind and we're failing. Woke ideology in post-secondary institutions. Woke curriculum is increasing. Yes, it is indeed. It's causing a classical education boom nationwide. It's colleges and universities like Hillsdale College see a 53% increase in applications, while the nation is seeing a large decrease in applications for woke institutions across the nation. Fantastic. That's good. That's, that's how we could start. You want change in this nation for the betterment of the kingdom of God? Infiltrate post-secondary institutions with godly, godly ideology, institute them in elementary, preschools, elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, bring God back, make God great again, hallelujah. <laughs> because he's great and he doesn't need to be made great again when he's already great. He just need, we just need to be reminded as a, as a nation of how truly and utterly great he really is. Hallelujah, I'll repeat. We need to, as a nation, understand how truly great and incredible he already truly is. So let's wake up to it and let's do something for God. Let's do something remarkable for God because we can take this nation back. And those statistics are proof that we could take this nation back. So it says, according to data from the U.S. Census Bureau, enrollment in colleges across the nation has decreased by roughly 13%. While many colleges struggle to draw in students, many faith-based universities are seeing a boom in applications, champion, championing the classical curriculum over woke ideologies. Founder and CEO of the Classic Learning Test, CLT, Jeremy Tate outlined on Fox and Friends weekend Saturday how the classical education is giving many colleges across the U.S. an edge over others. If you're watching this and you graduated college in the 60s or 70s, then you probably took U.S. history or economics or Western civilization. But those days are long gone. Many colleges now have gone to kind of an a la carte model, but there's a narrow band, he said, that schools like the University of Dallas, Franciscan, Benedictine, Hillsdale Grove, Hillsdale Grove City College that have maintained and sometimes doubled down on a traditional core curriculum. 
Tate explained that college and universities adopting woke ideologies and curriculums has been an alarming trend contributing to the rise in application for those faith-based colleges which still utilize a core classical curriculum. Hisdale College, for example, had recorded, like I said, a 53% increase in applications as of April 2022. The story of American higher ed really for the past half century has been a story of one college after another really trashing any kind of a serious core curriculum, he said. Recently, the State University of New York system will require all new students to take courses related to social justice and diversity, equity and inclusion beginning fall of 2023. Members of the Sunny Board of Trustees passed a resolution in November of 2021 outlining the addition of several required courses, which included a new social justice category. While the resolution was passed in November 2021, the social justice course requirement goes into effect for all new students seeking a bachelor's degree beginning in the fall of 2023 and will begin in the fall of 2024 for first-time students obtaining an associate's degree. Nicholas Girodano, a professor of political science at Suffolk Community College in New York and Campus Reform Higher Education Fellow, told Fox News Digital that the new course requirement appears to be part of a political agenda, and the article goes on. Of course, it's part of the political agenda. This is no surprise. This should come as no, this should be of no shock to you and I. They're trying to, and they have been, and the devil's been working really well at it to infiltrate this educational system because he wants to destroy it. He wants to overcome it with sin and replace it with iniquity and sin and lawlessness and evil, like I was talking about earlier. And so we can't be blind or numb to it and unaware of it. We have to know that it's there, that it exists. We can't turn a blind eye to it, plug our ears and go, la, 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 it's not happening, or ignore it. That's foolishness. We have to acknowledge that it is happening, it's there, and we can rectify it by pursuit of God, by instituting and standing up and saying no more. How about run for these positions on boards of school boards and uh, becoming and infiltrating the the post-secondary education, become professors and teachers and board members and administrators and so on and so forth of these institutions and take them back for the kingdom of God. That's how we win this war. It's a war we're under and in, and we have to fight. We have to fight the lawlessness and we have to understand that we can win because we serve a God that at the end, we're on the winning team. Whether the devil thinks for now that he's got the upper hand or not, in the end, he loses and God will win. Hallelujah. I will say again, in the end, the devil loses and God wins. So whose team would you rather be on? I'd rather be on the winning team. So you can do it and you can be on the winning team by being in pursuit of the kingdom of God, by doing what's right, by loving the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, by leaning not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledging him and he shall direct your paths. Isn't that a phenomenal and great and glorious thing? It really and truly is. We can have the victory. I'll say it again. We can have the victory. And it comes by submitting your life to God, acknowledging that laws are good, understanding that we're no longer under the if-then covenant and that we're under the parity covenant, which is made between, like I said, two equals, God the Father and God the Son. And we're never going to measure up on our own. But the hope comes from the two things, like I said earlier, grace and the Holy Spirit working in and through our lives. And so that's just a basic summary and recap of what we've gone over. And that leads me into the final topic of the program. And that is the send-off, the feel-good story of the week. Let's get into it. Am I going to talk about another dog this week, another animal? Or are we going to move back to humans? Well, we're going to go back to humans. This story out of Utah. Video shows Utah Trooper risking his life. Does he save a truck driver stuck on the train tracks? Well, let's get into the article. A Utah Highway Patrol officer is being hailed as a hero after he risked his life to pull a man off of train tracks moments before a train barreled through the area. Dashboard camera footage shows the officer bolting out of his vehicle and running into the path of the oncoming train to rescue an unconscious driver from a vehicle that had crashed on the tracks. We've got to get out of here. We've got a train coming. We've got a train coming. We've got a train coming. Trooper Ruben Carrera can be heard shouting just before the train collided with the vehicle. 
Correa pulled the driver into the grass surrounding the tracks. No one was injured in the crash, but the vehicle was destroyed. Quote, I looked to my left and was able to observe the train was coming pretty fast. End quote, Correa told KL, uh, KSL TV, anywhere between 50 to 80 miles per hour. At that point, I actually wasn't really thinking. I was just doing my job. And the main concern was getting him, the driver, out, he added. The vehicle had veered off the freeway, crashed through a fence, and came to a stop on the train tracks after the driver suffered a medical condition. Correa had been handling a traffic stop nearby when he responded to a call of a car on the tracks. Before I knew it, that train hit that vehicle and we were able to make it out alive, said Correa. Correa said he didn't feel the weight of the situation until he watched the train launch the SUV from the tracks. That's when I realized, oh, wow, that was a lot closer than what I would have liked, he said. The incident backed up traffic on Interstate 80 for four hours and caused delays on the Utah Transit Authority's front runner commuter train service. Phenomenal. That's what life's all about. Be a hero. Make a difference. Do something good with your life for the kingdom of God. Save lives. Touch people. Do a miracle. Uh, help people. Pray for people. You know, you may not think your life's significant. You may not think you've made much of a difference, but your prayers do matter and they mean something and they can have impact. You know, if you don't, uh, maybe God blessed you with finances and you can uh, tithe or give offerings to your uh, church and make a difference that way. You may not see it, but the kingdom does and you'll be rewarded in heaven. You know, there's power in making what you may see as small, maybe really big in the eyes of God. I'll say it again. What you may see as being real small may just be real big in the eyes of God. So understand and know that and know that your decision-making and the things you do have power and have meaning and can save lives, both physically here in the actual, um, literally and figuratively. And so with that, I'm just going to close it up in prayer. Father God, we just come before you and uh, pray that you just open hearts and minds to see who you are and what you want for each and every one of us to be in pursuit of you, to be longing and hungering and thirsting for you and for your righteousness, to be doing your will, to be falling more and more in love with you each and every second of the day, to be wanting to crave an intimate and personal and sincere and open and honest and real relationship and connection, intimacy with you and to you, to have you and your Holy Spirit and your Son at the forefront of our hearts, our minds and our souls, guiding us and leading us, not astray, but on the right path, that your word would be a lamp to our feet and a light for our path, helping us both in the here and now and in the long term as a lamp and a light would. And so I just pray that you'd touch each and every one of these, these uh, each and every one of us and help us and guide us throughout this week, this year, this time of in which we live in this country, which is filled with such chaos and know that you're not ever one to change. You don't change. You remain steady and unshaken and, of, and unmoved by what goes on in this world. And I just pray that you would just awaken our consciences and prick our consciences to understand and to know right from wrong and to have spiritual discernment and a prodding. And that when we're, not, when we're going astray, even in the slightest bit, you'd redirect us and re-guide us back onto the right path before it's too late. And I just pray these things in your precious son's name, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah and amen. And with that, I bid you adieu. Thank you for listening to this episode. No Truth Culture is created, recorded, edited, and produced by our production company, Pearly Gates USA, which is owned and operated by our parent company, The Big Time USA. Make sure that you follow the podcast and turn the notifications on by hitting the icon so that you get alerted about every new episode as soon as it's released. Do you hate listening to ads and sponsorships? Well, say hello to ad-free and sponsorship-free listening and much, much more exclusive benefits when you become a Crusader Plus today. To find out more about how you can become a Crusader Plus today, go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or click on the link in the show notes or episode description. Once on the website, click on the link No Truth Culture Plus under the No Truth Culture category. To make a one-time financial gift, you can go to our website at links.thebigtimeusa.com or by clicking on the link in the show notes or episode description. And once you're on the website, 
click on support. With your financial support, you make all of this possible. So thank you. Well, the Band-Aid has been ripped off. So it's time to ask yourself one final question. Has the truth set you free so that you can be free indeed? For myself, Mr. Misunderstood, and the rest of our team here at Pearly Gates USA and the Big Time USA, thank you so much for your loyal listening. And we look forward to you listening again next episode.